Organizations are reviewing the value of our sales technologies, not just once a year. It's probably happening two, three, maybe four times a year where either a product or solution that you're using is really helping you. You have a greater perceived credibility with customers as being unbiased, helpful. They're generally very kind and giving people and patient. I've found in my life experience, customers will ask a CSM a more vulnerable question than a commissioned or incented salesperson. Welcome to another episode of the How to Sell podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonenzi, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host. You, you, you need to change that. It's, it's, you're the co-host of the show. You've you, you got to get used to it now, Luigi. Yeah, well, We're four episodes I'm not in, used to it. <laughs> Two, 211 episodes, and uh, yeah, I'm still not used to calling, call, having a co-host, Dave, especially... Well, now people start Somebody to listen like, to the podcast, so it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, it's okay, Dave. I keep getting messages saying, look, it's great, the new format, but I still only turn up because of you. So I'm like, thank you. Oh, thank okay. you for that. All right, right. we'll see. <laughs> mum doesn't count. Mum doesn't count. <laughs> I know, my mum. She always likes my posts. <laughs> right. She's like, is she on LinkedIn? My mum's on LinkedIn. What's her role? <laughs> Luigi's mum. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's 70. She's 70 next month and she's always in there. She's posting and commenting on my feed. I'm like, you know, hey, it boosts the algorithm, Dave. So I'm wondering cool. what skills and certifications being Luigi's mom requires. Oh, you don't want to know. Tim. Oh, a lot of patience. And that, that, that voice that you just heard, folks, is this week's guest. We we're super excited because um, you, if you've been living on the rock, you, you would be living on rock if you haven't heard me talk about my love affair with a company called Lucia. It literally changed my world a couple of years ago. It's my probably, yeah, my absolute love affair. And uh, Tim is the head of enable. Is it the head or director of enablement, Tim? I'm director now, but uh, director. Pretty happy about that. Yeah. that this is a non-sponsored podcast. Uh, yeah, this just, is just, non-sponsored just really podcast. Like the tool. <laughs> I just love it. I showed it to a team of about how many people were in the room the other day, Dave, of business owners. I was about sixty to seventy. Yeah, and I pulled this. Uh, I pulled up sales nav, Tim, and I did a bit of a how do you build a list, and then all of a sudden this magical box popped up on my right side of my screen, and Lucia and people were like, how did you get the number? Um, <laughs> And somebody said, oh, yeah, I use Apollo. I said, no, this is better than Apollo. Um, probably shouldn't say that too loud. <laughs> but anyway, as we get into this week's episode, we have Tim. Thank you for joining us on this week's How to Sell podcast. Happy to be here. Yeah, awesome. And just before we get started, because this is obviously we've, we've interviewed a whole uh, number of incredible folks um, in enablement. Um, to help our listeners build their how to sell to enablement uh, playbook. Do you mind maybe sharing with us how you got started in the world of sales and enablement? Sure. My, uh, my sales career started as an individual contributor in um, traditional media, radio, okay. um, and then also in print and in television and yeah. made that leap into digital with a HubSpot partner. Yep. Right when HubSpot was literally in the CIC in Cambridge and Kendall Square. And um, making that transition was magical to stay current in how media changed and the way that 
yeah. our world changed through devices. So uh, I was in sales. I was finding new sources of revenue, and it was just called training back then. Yeah. And then training evolved into enablement, and uh, and doing that for I'll admit thirty plus years training and enablement. So wow. uh, since last century. <laughs> That's really interesting to me. What what motivated you to move to enablement? Uh, and like, what was the difference that you that you found? What was that a, attraction? It, it was being a, a young rookie on the staff, where all the big accounts were already taken, all the ad agencies were mm -hmm. taken, and there were some consultants that the owners of the radio station hired. One of them became my mentor to find new found sources of money, calling on consumer packaged goods. So we found pockets of revenue that weren't subject to ratings or uh, of, of radio stations at the time. It wasn't the small mom and pop local store budget. These were global brands that had big mm. bu budgets for market um, development funds. So I started scoring and, and crushing numbers and uh, learned under this consultant then also grew a department in Boston, Detroit, Philadelphia, and New Jersey for private broadcaster and then uh, worked with the network around the US. Eventually parlayed that into a startup, a uh, Google Premier partner at the time that was funded by the largest newspapers in the US. So they saw where the digital dollars were going. They just couldn't replace those dollars with the pennies. Trained across the US, literally from Massachusetts to California, the, the border of Texas, and then across the Canadian provinces with a partner called Post Media. So from mm. Montreal to BC to Vancouver, great experience. And that's how I eventually landed at Oracle to develop yeah. true enablement, global discipline, uniform content. And, and Oracle was like getting uh, an advanced MBA. And yeah. then I, what I found is I wanted that spirit of the creativity of the sale back in media days and the startup that I worked with that was funded by the newspaper. and. That's how I fell in love with Lucia, had the opportunity to join Lucia and build out a sales and event program for a completely startup. Yeah. What a journey. So you went from, yeah, what an incredible journey. Because obviously Oracle, one of the biggest companies in the world, right? And you would have had the opportunity to really see it across different markets, um, you know, very disciplines. And now you're applying, applying and how did What's the challenge? So you've gone from you know a, a, a beast of an organization and to Lucia, who you know is growing, it's growing fast, to roles hiring roles across the US and um, and around the world. Um, what's been the biggest challenge that you've had to deal with moving from a large entity to that more of a startup, you know, business? Understanding the blank slate in front of me. Mm -hmm. It's the it's mm -hmm. the blessing and the curse. Yeah, there's nothing broken to walk into. In fact, there's nothing to walk into. <laughs> so there we go. And I, I consider my time at Oracle almost five years as as a real blessing in an education. Excellent discipline. Mm -hmm. Literally, you were certified very stringent ways on certain content delivery and the uniformity of the content. So the discipline of, of Oracle was great, and I bring that discipline to Lucia, but also the the spirit of Lucia in that as a product-led growth company, 
It's very user-friendly, it's intuitive, it's easy to implement. And fortunately, people like Luigi and a lot of customers love Lucia. And it's a mm. growing space, as you know, that we've got some fine competitors in the space. So what's it like? Some days it's brilliant, and some days it's the face palm emoji where you go, you what? Okay. <laughs> we're, we're growing and, and appreciate that. Tim, I'm interested, like, what number employee were you at uh, at, at Lucia? Because direct sales enablement, you know, when, when we talk to people, it's usually a role that people think you need to be at a certain size in order to get someone in. But it seems like, and it just seems like, and you can correct me, where you're quite early in on Lucia and, and they hired this role quite early on, or am I wrong? Um, I'll say that I wasn't, I won't say that you're wrong. I'll say that I'm, I wasn't an early employee. Um, Lucia's six years old. And when I joined last year, there were already a few hundred people Okay. In mm. Tel Aviv at our HQ, in the Boston office, had grown from a co-working space to about 20, 30 people. And now I think we're upwards of 40 or 60 in the Boston office, which is primarily a sales office. Yeah. Okay. There yeah. are some rules of thumb that CFOs will say X number of employees, a ratio of, of enablement. And that's one of the things that sales enablement struggles with, of justifying itself. And when I came to Lucian, started to talk to colleagues. Mm who were in similarly sized companies of 300 or so. Some people actually had teams already of enablement folks. And also um, someone had it, I almost fell out of my chair that day when she told me, yes, I have an, an admin for my learning management system. In addition to my Salesforce admin, I thought, yeah. whoa, wow, <laughs> holy headcount, lucky you. <laughs> so fortunately I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lean organization for enablement mm. based in mm. Boston, but um, supporting Tel Aviv globally and yeah. uh, it's a one community. Yeah. And I really want to touch on this, um, Tim, when Lucia made the decision to hire an enablement professional, what was their motivation to do that? Like what was, what was I'll happening in their you. business? Yeah. I'll tell you, the table was set for someone to walk in and build an enablement effort. The CMO at the time greeted me and she said, we've got, we've got PMM set up. We've got products set up. We have a growing sales organization that has hit a critical mass where the tribal learnings by manager are no longer enough. And mm -hmm. one of the leaders actually said to me in the interview is that we've gotten, we've been successful we now have to grow to a disciplined yeah. approach and no more freestyling. Mm. And mm. I'll describe it um, lovingly to my colleagues who, from Lucia who might be listening. Some days it's like a lot of different pirates all on their own ship with a knife between their teeth going out and selling. And we want to have a more disciplined, focused and consistent yeah. approach globally. It's gone from startup to grown up. It's that transition, mm. thing, right? It is. But it's really interesting you bring that up, right? Because you mentioned their growth occurred because I just signed up. I found Lucia. It was a PLG, you know, product-led sale where I found this platform. And I, to be honest, when I first found it, Tim, I think I've shared this with you before. I didn't want anybody else to know about it because it was like my secret weapon in sales. I was like, I had a tool that gave me mobile numbers and email addresses. I'm like, this is amazing. Um, 
so but then yeah i mean nobody ever rang me um i never heard from anybody from lucia for a number of years um i just keep paying um in fact i remember when i did speak to somebody they're like that pricing you've got is no longer available anymore because uh i was one of the early adopters right so <laughs> grandfather pricing yeah um but it is interesting because you mentioned that the business was now looking to you know they had a, a real focused strategic growth um goal and they were looking for more predictability and discipline in there and, and creating a real sales rhythm and that's one of the drivers Pardon the interruption, but I have to let you know about this free resource. The Growth Forum newsletter has over 10,000 subscribers that are learning how to sell. Each and every week, we send you tips, strategies, and also some tools and tech on how to achieve the most out of your sales pipeline. If you're ready to level up, sign up for free at growforum.io forward slash newsletter and get the first issue this week. There's a point at which managers don't have the bandwidth to mm. do that tribal training. And the good part about tribal training is managers often train and coach in their own spotlight of success. Yeah. And many managers have never gone through the education of adult learning, the, mm. the styles of, of, of the way people learn. Do, sit next to me, do what, I'm, do what I do, follow me, shut up, follow, shadow me on this call, and then rinse and repeat. That doesn't work at scale, especially as, as you're growing headcount and so forth. So, um, you know, props to the managers that are training their own people, but they don't have the, the bandwidth or consistency mm. to bring that that yeah. that approach to it. So there, the table was set for me, as I said, from uh, PMM to CMO to the sales leaders from XDR organization, the AEs, the AMs, customer success. They knew they needed a role and it was identified. I was just very fortunate in that when I was itching at Oracle to stop swimming in the discipline swim lanes, to have some creativity in building something, um, Lucia, Lucia was there as an opportunity. I've just been thinking uh, while, you, while you were talking there, uh, yeah. Tim, like, look, what, what were the challenges um, you know, that you faced when you can't focus on implementing disciplines, you know, routine training, you know, what are the things that you know, the best practices that you try and apply in those situations? Setting a baseline, you know, establishing what great looks like, getting mm -hmm. that buy-in from sales leaders, getting them involved, and then creating the disciplined approach with reinforcement, reinforcement along the way. And I'll say, as much as I, uh, in the first year, did a lot of training in groups and then pairs, threes, and, and a fair amount of one-on-one -on -one coaching, that's not scalable. So that allowed yeah. me to, in year one to build out not only my internal credibility, but also figure out what works at this company that has, you know, we do really well in mid-market. We're making incredible strides in the enterprise market, but how do I take what I have in my three decades of sales enablement sales training and sales experience because I am a salesperson at heart. Those are the stripes that I wear. Um, what is working and what is not? And then create an opportunity to support those managers who are the ones who actually hire, fire, have the one-on-ones, do the pipeline reviews and, and, and spot that to them. 
I need to get things done at scale. Let's change gears a little bit now. And this podcast is all about, you know, how how to sell. And we want to talk to you about, you know, in your role, how how you buy. You know, it's always a tough one for people selling to salespeople, right? Uh, they know all the tricks, or well, not so tricks, but they know all the mechanisms, the questions, and things like that. Can you walk us through, if you have one recently, a a scenario where you're looking to potentially purchase a, a new product or service within your role? Um, and, and let's let's start to dive into that area. Sure. And for people listening, the some salespeople might perk their ears up and go, oh, this guy's a prospect. <laughs> like trigger every, event, folks. Like, trigger event. Trigger. Uh, well said, Luigi. Um, I, every company, SaaS and tech company, rethinks their sales tech stack increasingly. And in the last year that we've had, I, it's my belief that organizations are reviewing the value of our sales technologies, not just once a year, it's probably happening two, three, maybe four times a year where you where either a product or solution that you're using is really helping you. And you can yeah. you hear from the salespeople in the sales cubicles and so forth. And then you, you um, encounter some of the things that you've invested and you go, it's not really buyer's remorse, but it's just, not sure about this and we're reviewing some of our our technologies right now it's just early september um american football season starts we're re recording this so the night that we're the day we're recording this nfl football regular season starts new england shout out to, to the patriots it's celebrating tom brady this weekend so that that's monumental but I bring that up because this time of year, people are rethinking and planning and buying, going, mm -hmm. hmm, should we, should we look at this? The first of the year is usually the calendar year, a contract. But for us salespeople, we have to rethink when's the expiration of the contract? When is it up for renewal? Is it auto renewal? Are we only coming in hot in the last 90 or 60 days to ask about a mm -hmm. renewal? Or have we been, have we been supported? By it. And as we're rethinking some of our technologies or possibly adding technologies, I've been getting overtures as director of sales enablement from certain tech companies. Yeah. And be because we in the podcast and everybody listening, we're buyers, but we're also sellers. So I always yeah. look to see what was the subject line? Did they show me they know me? Did they mm -hmm. offer an insight? For those that I pick up the phone that have my mobile number, they've used one one person actually said, I used Lucia to get your mobile <laughs> number. That's great. <laughs> and and that being said, I, I I will entertain the cold call. I will I will actually thank them for picking up the phone and cold calling me because mm. I believe that salespeople rely too much on automation and email and the passivity of social selling. But I truly yeah. appreciate that person that can smile on the phone, get through to me, and, and uh, show me value real quickly. I'm watching some of the overtures from the vendors that want to unseat an incumbent. Yeah. And some started in midsummer, and because we're in, in early September, not one has persisted. 
in over 60 days. Mm. Okay, that's really interesting. Not one. And a couple had some really good messaging, but I wanted to, I'm not ready to entertain a demo yet, but I will for those mm. listening. But a lot gave up and it breaks my heart a little yeah. bit because they just, they're not aligned to my buying cycle. They were aligned to their own cadence, whatever platform yep. they're using. They've teed me up in sales loft or something like that. Okay, I'm going to hit them this many times and leave a message, one creative voicemail, an animated GIF or GIF, however we might pronounce that. But then they gave up. Yeah, this is really interesting. I've actually, this is good, Tim, because I'm taking some notes, right? And I've got so many parts that we could break down. And I do want to go back to that prospecting piece in a moment around, you know, your subject lines and um, show me, you know me. But I think what's more important here is the short-term the short term focus versus the long-term focus, right? And I think for most of us that have been in sales for you know, a period of time, we know that I might engage with you today and you might not be ready to buy. Like you said, your buying cycle. In the buying journey, you know, you're probably at a different stage because you've got a provider in place or the problem that you're seeking to solve isn't a priority right now. It could become one in six to 12 months. And I think this is a massive gap that exists in the marketplace is that when a salesperson talks to a potential buyer and the buyer says, not now, we forget about them and go to the next one. When in fact, that nurturing, that educating you know, spending time with you just to give you maybe some insights, touching base every month or two months mm. keeps the seller top of mind for the buyer so that when they do get to that point of, hey, I'm moving I'm moving to that point of consideration now, you know what? I'm going to go talk to, you know, somebody from X because they've just been drip feeding me really good, insightful content. Um, has anyone done that that you've been engaging with? No, uh, I think it's a huge opportunity yeah. for your for your venture. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the emails that was that arrived in my inbox today was, um, uh, "Did you get my last email?" Oh. <laughs> yes, I did. I I it's, it's, it's it's still out there. It's it. it I, I was like, "No, oh no, I'm sorry for yeah, you." Nah. It's um, still out there. Still, still, what about the, what about the thoughts? The thoughts one. That's thoughts the one that just doesn't have uh, the, the quick question. That that one was hot, I'll say, seven years ago. Quick question. <laughs> yeah, I got um, that. I got one that last night, actually. Yeah. Should I be speaking to somebody else, Tim? What about that one? Do you get that one? I, just, I got that one this week. Should I be speaking to somebody else at Growth Forum? Yeah. Well, you can if you want to. Um, I've got a, I've got a quite a few actually. Um, I'm usually not a fan of bashing the competition, but one of the <laughs> com, one of the competitors who's trying to unseat a, the the incumbent did it very tactfully with a tact very tactful one sheet of if you're considering these are some things oh, that are different. Yes. It went right to just the right line, Is that like just enough. Yes. Yeah, so that's fine. I believe that that's fine. If you're comparing, products, like you know, benefits and things like that, that's good to it, them out because you may not know. Um, exactly. And in, in unknown need, like Luigi talks about uh, unrecognized need, I think was the term. Yeah. 
the unrecognizing, hey, did you think? So that at least got me thinking, hmm, didn't know that about you. And that's something else I should consider. It's a little bit of a competitive trap, maybe, but they went right enough to the to the line to say, hey, if you're thinking about this, here's some things to think about. Nice. Yeah. yeah, that's really, I like that. I do like that because it's a did you know. It's coming from a place of, hey, just maybe providing some education here. And if there's a gap there, that, that, that could trigger you to go to, you know what, I want to learn a bit more. You've inspired um, me that, that it, the, the call to action might be, have you hmm. thought about, have you considered this? And you, you know, maybe we could workshop that as just a concept of someone that's consideration and, and yeah. not in comparison stage. Have you thought about, oh, didn't know that. I should think, I should, thanks. I should know about that. Yeah, I, I really, I really like that. Um, and if we can just go back a step to that. Um, so you're currently reviewing, we won't talk about which platform, right? But you're currently reviewing and it's a renewal, right? So you're thinking about, do you renew or do you move to a different provider? Um, right. What's driving that? Like if it's delivering on its promise, what's driving you to think about changing? Little fails where the promise isn't being met. Oh, okay. Little cracks in yes. the wall, just whether there's a hack or a workaround, we don't have that yet. And and I, I feel that pain of, of being on the recipient side. Uh, mm. and usually it's us saying it's in the roadmap. Oh, Ooh, yeah. I, I heard about the roadmap from the other side of the communication. <laughs> okay. Now I know how soul crushing that feels because <laughs> I want it yeah. sooner than yeah, great. And so given that there's a couple of cracks has the current your current provider have they done anything to cement the relationship with you or try to create additional value that would keep you there or have they kind of just left you go on your own do you have a great product but are struggling to reach more customers? Are you spending hours on sales activities that aren't generating results, leaving you feeling frustrated and discouraged? The Sales OS program is a step-by-step -step operating system that will help you slash your selling hours in half while rapidly growing your revenue. In under just two weeks, you can be well on your way to creating predictable revenue. In Sales OS, we'll show you how to build predictable sales pipeline build lasting relationships with your customers and sell more in less time. The art of negotiation and motivating and leading a successful sales team. If this sounds like something that you need in your business, visit growforum.io forward slash sales and apply to see if you have the right mindset to achieve predictable revenue. The Sales OS program is your ticket to predictable revenue. Don't wait any longer, apply today. We, uh, this is one of the problems of us being in sales anywhere yeah. had sales rep turnover. And I'll tell okay. you the two things for the smart providers who are listening to your podcast, the, the, the things that are keeping us with the incumbent are an probably the best CSM I've had at any vendor mm. from anywhere I've bought. Okay. Incredibly efficient, responsive, attentive, top notch. I've literally said to leadership in that company, have you, how many raises have you given this person? <laughs> nice. So it's um, not actually the so, product itself. It's just been the connection with the human yeah, behind the product. It's, 
it's the reliability it's that insurance of mm. in, in, insinuated insurance policy and it's also unfortunately complacency so today two other stakeholders and i had a meeting and we literally listed why stay pros cons must-haves we revisit the must-haves mm. and need-to-haves because we've had we've had changes in our organization there are new stakeholders in 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 this decision on the tech stack so yeah. it's reminding me to tell my salespeople understand the frequency of turnover within a company shifts within yeah. an organization different stakeholders don't assume because you have the contract and you've got a great csm that they're gonna stay we really have to worry slightly yeah and with that right so that conversation that you're having about you know do we change or do we stay have you spoken about the fact that if you do change you might not have the same csm yeah okay so the csm is actually become a value creator for the current vendor for your current vendor oh yes that, that's ah, okay. interesting, right? Like, I, I can, like, mm. from a from a business owner, I can guarantee they're not seeing their CSM as an asset like that, as a mm. as a as a <coughs> as a pillar of retention. Because yes, it's okay to mm. win a new deal, but retaining them, you're, you're having to retain them. Yeah. Look what's happening with you now, Tim. Every month or every year, you know this whole monthly recurring revenue and your recurring revenue, it's basically a contract for a certain period of time, and then you need to sell it again. Um, so that CSM is, is critical uh, in that piece, in that piece. it looks like. So yeah, I, to think about it. I find that really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's really interesting, right? Because I think sometimes that doesn't, it, people don't evaluate that in the sales process. They're not thinking about, well, what relationship does, you know, my prospect have with the current vendor and who could it be? And if they don't determine that in the buying cycle, they're not able to address that in the proposal they put forward, right? So I think that's really interesting um, that you're sharing that. And Think, of and, the, you know, think about it with logo retention, mm -hmm. not only keeping revenue, upsell expansion, additional yeah. licenses, seats, whatever, that's critical to, to, to companies. Mm. And I say to our, our own CSMs at, at Lucia, you have a greater perceived credibility with customers as being unbiased, helpful. They're generally very kind and giving people and patient. And yeah. I've found in my, my life experience, customers will ask a CSM a more vulnerable question than they will a commissioned or incented salesperson. Mm. True. Question, Tim, when, you know, you're looking at a vendor, you've got the contract, you're, you're ready to, you know, to start down the, the decision-making process. Talk to me, who's involved in sign-off of the agreement? Do you need to get uh, consensus across a few different groups or you're the final decision-maker? What does that look like in, inside, uh, inside the business? Are you turning this into a MedPick episode? <laughs> <laughs> no, promise not. So uh, I would start by saying a uh, level of investment, whether it's a major commitment. I report to the CRO, which is why I absolutely love my job as being director of sales enablement, reporting to CRO, not operations, not HR, no, no shade or shame on those organizations, but I really want to be aligned to the number. 
My uh, recommendations have to go through a CRO on the investment level out of either an allocated budget or a found budget. Certainly procurement comes in and I absolutely need to do my due diligence of having at least two, two other credible quotes mm-hmm. from reputable vendors. And my recommendation yeah. typically done in threes, it's my habit of saying things in three. Here are the three reasons why and preparing as we coach on the CFO buyer persona, need to have a business case for the CFO ready. Yeah. This is, if we don't have this, this is our downside. Mm. This is the, the, the expected investment I will get. Now, in some of it may be productivity, some of it may be in, in revenue, but I need to be able to make that case to the CFO of what happens if we don't invest in this. Yeah, that's a cost of inaction, right? Yeah. This is amazing. Like, like, look, Tim. I, I'm actually, like I said, I've, this is being really good for me because I've got a, I've got a page of notes. Um, but I just wanted to say, I know we could we could keep going on this, and we could probably do another episode, which is on that med pick. It's on the, you know, the business case requirements. But um, just for our listeners, uh, where is the best place for them to connect and find you? Oh, LinkedIn, Tim Stansky. Okay. Um, I'm open yeah. to networking. Big fan of YouTube for sure. And um, I, I will say that I always tell vendors the process or process, pick, pick your English. Yeah. This is how it goes, but I warn them, you will be dealing with procurement. Yeah. You will. So, mm. I, and that's just because being a salesperson, having made my, my, my sharpest offer and trying to protect value and trying to protect, protect margin, it's soul crushing to send a fellow salesperson to procurement because you know there has to be some something better yeah. than what was offered to me. Yeah, and also just before we wrap up um, this se- this part of our segment, I just want to bring back because Tim did say something really really important. He liked you know somebody picking up the phone and smiling when they call, and if you've got the tool, you've got Lucia. This is this is a plug. You can get his number, right? And I just want to maybe, if we can go back to the day that we connected, Tim, it's been some time ago, um, but can you maybe share, I can't remember, I don't even know if you remember, but how did our relationship start? Oh, I, I, I remember the start of the, the friendship because I became a fan. It was an overture yeah. by email. Yeah. Um, sincere enthusiasm as a power, self-described power user. And yeah. explained, not just I'm a power user, how he used it. So this was Luigi's email to me. And mm-hmm. I was fresh in, in my new role at Lucia. And I thought, who's this crazy Aussie? Amazing. <laughs> and that's the other thing. Um, when someone comes into a new role or is in a building mode, they are in education mode. They are open to building things. They're, they're bringing their life experience and probably their preferred vendors with them, but I knew mm-hmm. I was open. And then when Luigi had a sincere conversation with me, I, I knew, so it was email. He showed me, he knew me, he knew I was in the role. I think you knew that I was new and in, in how, yeah. you know, where I came from, but there was the sincerity and the brevity of your messaging. And having worked with you and knowing what a great call opening looks like with an insight 
and asking some questions, the motivation question, it, it, it's a fantastic formula. So yeah, well, thanks, Tim. No, well, mate, yeah. the, the feeling mutual. We've obviously developed an incredible relationship. Um, but again, I think, uh, like I said, for our listeners, you've got Lucia. If you haven't got Lucia, just download. I think you get like five credits for free to start with, and you'll be able to get Tim's details. Send him a note. Tell him what you loved about this episode, um, and t- and then you can tell him what you love about using a tool like Lucia. So thank you so much, Tim. Thanks for the contribution you make to the enablement community, to sales and, and everything that you do, mate. Cheers. Thanks, Tim. What a cracking episode that was with Tim. He's a weapon. Yeah, he's good. And I think it's not just you can see that he's got like real experience, you know. Um, he, he mentioned 30 years. So he's coming from a place of of knowledge, like a real deep knowledge. Um, but what I found, and, and I can't wait to dive into this, you know, he's worked at both like Oracle, beast of an organization to that startup that's now growing up, that's turning into that larger business. So he's definitely got, he's got a very interesting perspective. Yeah. And what I found that that was great, it was, and what I've seen across the sales enablement people that we've spoken to currently is that when they're sold to, they're actually trying to help the seller because they, yeah. they feel the pain, right? My in- They've got that empathy, right? They do, they do, right? Which, which is really good. Like, I, I would have mm. thought that they would have been a little bit hard and say, I know you're doing these, you know, trying to use these questions on me, but they're actually trying to help the sale, make it easy for them, yeah. which, is, which is really good. Yeah. yeah, I like that. It is interesting. People, you know, people that have been in that role have an empathy mm. and they... And they also feel the pain when somebody's facilitating, maybe not not facilitating the process in the way they could, right? So that that was really interesting as well. But look, if you're listening to the uh, episode after episode, you, you're going to find a common theme here. Like Tim mm. brought it up. He brought it up about persistence. So people stopping yeah. too soon. You know, unless you know their buying, so buying pattern or the buying cycle, you know, you're just going by your cadence. You don't know mm. when Tim's ready to buy. He's, he's buying right now. Yeah, he's, he's ready buying. to take de- yeah. demos, but you know some of those vendors vendors have stopped. Um, so yeah. lost deal not because their product was no good, but because they just mm. you know ended their cadence and thought that was it. You know the whole yeah. keep the email short. You know come with some insight. Um, it's you know hard to do. Which some would say probably easy to do, but it's the blueprint is there. Um, so look, Louis, let's uh, let's go in. How would you get into it. sell to Tim? All right, so let's let's break. Based on what Tim shared, right, we're going to break this up into two parts because we've got the prospecting part, mm-hmm. yeah, which is the whole we've got to get his attention. But then I want to talk a bit about the fact that there are stages in his buying journey that he spoke about, right? He spoke about um, he had some 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 tech that he needed to buy but he wasn't ready to buy for a period of time and i want to talk about that because this is critical yeah so first things first he mentioned if you if you go back to what he said he said i think this is really really important if anyone was to do some research on his profile they would see that he came from oracle yeah and they would see that he came from a business global he meant you know had an lms support he had a whole support staff 
that were helping run enablement. Regional enablement heads, they probably would have had um, uh, enablement folks or enablement professionals for different teams, depending on who they're selling to. And then he's gone to Lucia. And he doesn't have the massive team behind him. He doesn't have, you know, all the bells and whistles. He doesn't have all the support staff. So he's on his own. Mm. Yeah. So the very first thing that I would be doing from a prospecting perspective is I'd be taking that into consideration that he's gone from huge team to no team. Yeah. And he's still got to do like he's still tasked with a huge job because he's trying to service, like you said, he's servicing 60 sellers just in Boston. And that's not including Tel Aviv, right? So he's still trying to serve a large team. And he's only got two hands. He's only got two arms. Like, do you know what I mean? Like he's not, and he only has a certain amount of time in the week. Um, and so, and he also mentioned that some of the gaps were around getting the leaders. The leaders have been essentially been focused on trying to drive discipline uh, with the team. So the first thing I'd be doing from a prospecting perspective is considering the fact that he's made a change from large to small and going in with a message like that, yeah. right? Going in with the message around, hey, understanding you've moved from a larger business and you've probably tasked, you've got more tasks to focus on now in this role than you had in your previous role. There might be some gaps, right? And I've got some insight on how you can accelerate some of your enablement initiatives, right? And we'd love to share some of that insight with you. So I think it, it, we've got to give consideration to where they're at in their new position, right? So that's how I would reach out to Tim from a prospecting perspective. Second to that, given the fact that he, he, ins, he, he mentioned that he's insight led, right? He wants to learn, yeah? And again, he's probably going, well, this startup land is, is, is a bit new to me. So what insight and education could I share with Tim that would be how startups are tackling enablement? Because the way startups tackle it is different to a large scale business like a Oracle or a Salesforce, right? How would you, so, to cut you off there quickly, how would you work out before talking to Tim that you know he, he's looking to learn um, is there anything that you would do, you know, you know, whether it be curating his LinkedIn, seeing what he's posted on, mm. what he's look, liking? Like, how would you do, come to that decision where he needs to learn? Well, I think the fact that, you know, yeah, I'd do some research first. I'd absolutely check out his profile and have a look at um, what the type of content he's engaging with. And you can actually see it. Like if you go to his profile now, you'll notice that he is following certain thought leaders in the sales community, in the sales enablement space. He's looking at particular pieces of content. So that's an indicator that he's searching for stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got to take, you've got to make a bit of an assumption when you're reaching out to someone, you've got to come up with a bit of a hypothesis on where they're currently at in their position. Yeah. But that would be my, my hypothesis around, Tim and going into that new role is not having implemented enablement in a startup for a period of time. And there could be some knowledge gaps. And I would be coming from a place of, hey, I'm not trying to sell you anything, Tim. I'm actually trying to provide a bit of support and guidance on what what others are doing to enable startups, 
you know, enable businesses like yours that are going, that are at this stage of their journey. Yeah. So that would be my first part. Now to address the second part that Tim spoke about, which is vendors reaching out, put me on a sequence. He said sales loft or something like that. A number of touch points. And he's saying, you know what? I've currently got a provider. I'm not ready at the moment. And then they go. Um, for me, that's a big red flag and that's a great opportunity for salespeople yeah. because the relationship funnel is your most important funnel, right? Um, building relationships and creating value for those relationships will deliver an incredible return on investment in the long term. And this is why it's important to really think about your buyer persona and think about, okay, if I know that I can educate Tim and I can maybe create a bit of a nurturing series of content, I could maybe find some podcasts that I think Tim would really like. I could maybe reference a couple of points of that podcast, find a report and enablement, find the state of sales from LinkedIn or Salesforce, whatever it is, yeah? Stats from HubSpot. If I can maybe just create a monthly little series, an email with a couple of you know, uh, d data points, maybe drop a, a LinkedIn note to say, hey, Tim, I found this article. I think you might find this valuable. It talks about ABC. If I'm dropping that monthly with a periodic call, right? All of a sudden, if I do that for 12 months, what's Tim gonna think about me at the end of the 12 months when he's gonna come up to renew his platform? He's gonna go, you know what? I'm gonna talk to Luigi. Mm. And look, that's not, Luigi's been of, educated. that's not a lot of work. Right. It's people not. are probably thinking, oh, oh God, I've got to do this every month. I've got a hundred deals. That's a look, you can manage this within your CRM, schedule a task, make it manual, Correct. make it manual so it's really relevant um for them, right? Because like you said, yeah. you, you need to be there when they're ready to buy. Um, but a lot of people will get scared, right? I, and I reckon scared's the key word because they're they're scared of adding more to their plate. Because of you know, have you have you ever come across that where what yeah, absolutely, but it's a, it's a myth, right? I'll tell you why it's a myth, myth because they go, oh, I've got to add more. It means it's more work, but the reality is it's less work because if I can build an engaged database or my relationship funnel of say I'm selling to enablement and I've got 30, 40 people like Tim in my funnel that I'm, and people go, that's a marketer's job, blah, blah, blah. But I'll tell you, there is a lot of, when you do that, like Tim said, when I reached out to Tim to say and told him that I was an advocate of the platform, I knew that he changed because I was following. It was in my sales navigator list that was updating because I was looking for a trigger event of enablement people in the tech space, X amount of people that when somebody had changed a role in that list, it, it, it notified me. It just happened to be, it was Lucia, tick, right? I used my love affair with Lucia, that, that, that allowed me to personalize. I did drop a little bit of insight in there as well. And that got me an appointment with Tim, right? Did he buy straight away? No, he didn't. It took quite a few months, mm. but I continue to nurture. So there is something, there is a lot of benefit to be gained from actually taking the time. It literally takes a few minutes to take a little snippet pop it in a LinkedIn note or an email to say, I think you might find this valuable. It talks about ABC, no call to action, no CTA to say, let's book a time or find a time in my calendar yeah. or let's catch up about and talk about this. No, just give without any expectation of return because the law of reciprocity will kick in. 
And if you've got a spreadsheet with your links, right, and you've got some email templates that you can then go and grab, you can pretty much do it. And if you if you are in a business that's got a sequencing tool or you've got HubSpot and you can create a workflow, just workflow that stuff out and it'll automatically send it. But like I said, there's something to be gained by sending that personalized note. Drop a voice note on LinkedIn and say, hey, you know, I loved what you posted, you shared about X. I actually found this incredible post. I'll drop the link underneath this voice note. Like humanize the process. If you're giving value and nurturing a prospect over a 12 month period without any ask, why would the prospect look at this and go, you're annoying me? Leave me alone. Don't give me stuff that can potentially help me. <laughs> Whoever says that, That's right? So this is where I think sellers have a great opportunity. Spend more time nurturing, spend more time caring about the people that you serve. Give as much value as possible because I tell you what, it'll pay significant dividends. And and I'm I'm, I'm not putting tickets on myself, Dave, but I could literally, my pipeline could start from zero tomorrow. And I'm confident because I've built strong relationships, I'm continuing to educate and nurture my relationship funnel. I can turn that pipeline on again tomorrow. Within 90 days, I'll have closed X amount of business. Right? And we've seen that, right? We've seen that in Growth Forum in the past four weeks. Yeah. As much as I love to give you shit on selling tickets on yourself, I 100% <laughs> agree. Right, we, right. we can turn it on just because we've got equity in the relationship funnel. Yeah. Right. So that's, so that's my two biggest takeaways for listeners today, right? When you're prospecting, you've got to go back, um, go and research where they've come from because it'll allow you to come up with a, a bit of a hypothesis. It'll allow you to come up with a point of view and then think about how that point of view relates to where they're at in their current role and where they're going. So that's from a prospecting perspective. And then from a, from a sales perspective, don't always think that they just because they're not ready to buy today that means you just leave them alone and call them in 12 months when they're going to renew mm. think about that nurturing process how can you educate educate and nurture and give because that'll ultimately give you a return so there's my wrap up for how do we sell and to I, team and enablement and i think with that what a great way to end the show we're almost uh, at the 55 minute mark so it was a bit longer but there was a lot uh, to get yeah. this one here. And we didn't want to leave any of it out. So thank you, Luigi. Thank you, Tim, as well. Um, and if you want to find out more on how to sell and more information to help you in your mm -hmm. role, just just visit growforum.io. Everything's there. It's ungated. Enjoy it. And until then, we'll see you on the next How to Sell episode. For our listeners, um, if you want to get access, we've got actually a micro course that you can get access to that's on growthforum.io, um, which will, it's a bit of a masterclass on how you can prospect and how you can um, drive opportunities to close.